Welcome back to Podcast 29, the Sermon on the Mount, Persistent Prayer, Asking, Seeking, Knocking, and the Golden Rule. A Merry Christmas. We yeah. just uh, passed Christmas, if you can see with the decorations. Yeah. Cool. And it really was a wonderful time. Yes, it so, was. Um, I got you your author shirt. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I've been wearing that around and enjoy it very much. Uh, ask me uh, about my book. Yes. Uh, so it's a great shirt and pretty blue at that. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I like that, and uh, Beck and I got that for you, and it was just a wonderful time with family. So yeah. it was it was a good Christmas, um, wonderful time. So we're going to go ahead and get started here. This mm-hmm. is an interesting passage. Yes, I was originally going to do, as I say almost every time, a bigger chunk of scripture, mm-hmm. but I, I think it got into too much. I think we're going to go verses seven through the end of the sermon, which is twenty eight but decided just to do the asking, seeking, knocking, and golden rule. Yeah. So in today's podcast, we're going to look at Jesus's words on persistent prayer and the need to keep asking our good Father. Mm. We will also address why God may not answer a prayer and how people have abused Jesus's teaching on asking, seeking, and knocking. I, I see that as a big problem. Yeah. Um, a lot of people get discouraged, as we were saying earlier, because they'll pray. They will ask, seek, and knock, mm-hmm. and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. So it's good to address that. Absolutely. And, and as always, it's context with the sermon. Mm. And then finally, we'll see Jesus will also take the words of another Jewish rabbi, rearrange them, and create the golden rule, which is based upon the Father's identity and should be reflected in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus didn't live in a vacuum. Right. You know, He heard other teachers, and he borrowed from them. Uh, his was always better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it helps when you have the wisdom of God. That's right. So this is podcast 29. Uh, we're really, really chugging through. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to grandmother the mm-hmm. other day, and she said, well, you must be getting pretty far through the series because she watches every mm-hmm. other week. And I said, well, we probably have about 200 lessons <laughs> <laughs> podcast in this. So uh, we only have five disciples at this point, so we still got a far way to go. But yeah, I'm I was enjoying. joking earlier that I might be a great grandfather <laughs> and your grandfather by the time we finish mm. the series. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So um, as you know, I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr., Associate Pastor, Commander Bible Church, and Creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids. And I'm joined by my father, Dr. Ken Birch, Senior Graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, author of the Fire Series, and Senior Pastor at Comer Manor Bible Church. And at the end, I want to show your book, yes. which we got an early, early copy yes. and uh, of your new Ephesians book. So we'll show that and also what I'm, I've been reading. Uh, but before we jump into the passage, I think it's good to remind ourselves that Jesus has already taught on prayer earlier mm-hmm. in this sermon. He taught the disciples' prayer, mm-hmm. not the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer, mm-hmm. a template on how to pray. He also said that prayer is a private ministry done in secret without vain repetition. Mm -hmm. So he gave us all of that, Mm -hmm. that teaching. So Mm -hmm. now I feel like he's summing up his sermon. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of given those last thoughts. So let's go ahead and just jump right into the passage. Um, And this is verse seven Mm -hmm. of chapter seven. If you are following along, I have the Christian standard Bible. That's my uh, version I use. It used to be the Holman. And I really just like the translation. You know, I always grew up New King James, another great version. Yeah, I, I, just a quick thing on versions. I always tell, especially when I work with kids, get an easy reader when you're a child. That's right. 
Because what good is it if you're reading the words and they don't make sense to you? You mm-hmm. might as well be reading Greek at that point. Absolutely. But obviously, as you grow, as you mature, especially if you're studying God's word, I think you want to get much closer as possible to the original. But uh, I'm not against easy reading versions if it helps you, but be very careful if you're studying the easy reader because the words they might use might really throw you off. So That's great advice. I try to do different translations oh. as I'm reading through the Bible each year. Uh, just so it doesn't become just rote, and it gives me a chance to look at something freshly. But I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's just important that people at any age have a, a translation that relates to where they're at. Yeah. And then obviously when you're, I might not say the message. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's a yeah. couple I would say stay away from because exactly. they're not really a Bible. Exactly. But that's, that's not many. Yeah. So let's come to verse 7. Uh, some of the most quoted words of Jesus— Ask, and it will be given to you. Mm-hmm. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to Now, we see from verse 11, which is kind of the end. There's another verse after that, but this mm-hmm. kind of sums up his thing on prayer. Mm-hmm. But this is in the context of praying to the Father in heaven. So, it is in the context of prayer. And Jesus is making the point that the Father is good and kind. And when we approach our Father in prayer, we ask, seek, and knock. And if it is his will, he will give good things to us because we ask. Um, as always, the same thing we learned with do not judge. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to take it in context. You can't isolate verses, but you have to understand those verses in their total. So this is verses 7 through 11. Sum up Jesus's teaching on God answering prayers of those in his spiritual kingdom. Uh, there's such an incentive here, and I hope everybody tracks with this. Uh, they are conditional imperatives. There's sort of a formula uh, that you find here. It's the imperative, the command, chi, which is and, and a future indicative. The idea is ask, and I want you to ask. And then with the iterative president, it's keep on asking. And if you don't ask, the implication is it's not going to be done. So, you know, everything's not determined. Everything is not, we have this uh, theistic deterministic God who, um, if you will, pre-programmed everything. It seems that God is encouraging us to ask, and when we do, with the right heart attitude according to his will. And as James says, you have not because you ask not. This should be a great incentive as people are entering the new year uh, to pray Mm -hmm. and to make this a pattern of life. It's powerful. You know, prayer is powerful. I think we rob absolutely a lot of power from it because it's asking the Almighty. And I think another important factor is we go to God because He's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I think sometimes we can become cold in our faith and stop seeing God as a good Father, mm-hmm. and we need to see Him as that. And that's what Jesus is saying: ask, seek, knock. So. Uh, as you said, and this is what I have in my notes here, it's a picture of someone who keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, and won't stop knocking. In other words, Jesus is saying, keep pursuing these good requests in prayer, don't stop. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, I, who was it? Paul. I think he's one of the few people who prayed and God said, stop asking me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he asked, you know, what was it for his thorn to be taken? That's right. Um, and God says, don't ask me again. Or I guess there was also Moses, technically, when he's talking to God. Yeah. <laughs> and God says, stop asking me about going into the promised land. You're, you're not going. So, uh, but most of the time, 
everyone else, those are, I think, the exceptions we see. Maybe there's some more, but Jesus saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Um, now, I want to address skeptics. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. I think when we approach the Bible, we have a problem when we won't go at passages or we avoid passages that skeptics might attack us from, or people might leave the faith mm-hmm. because they'll say something, well, Jesus promised that God will answer your prayers, and since you sought him, yet he has not answered, then we know God's word is not true. And people might leave the faith over that. So we got to look close at verse 11, mm-hmm. and this is vital. Mm-hmm. If you walk away with anything, other than I'm wearing a pink shirt, it's that God gives good gifts and sometimes what we ask for is not good. Yeah. And I think that's such an important concept. Go ahead. No, it's, it's a great point. Um, it's vital that we understand the nature of God. You and I have a lot of conversations on this. We think he's getting misrepresented in a mm. lot of circles uh, these days. Uh, he's not just this whimsical God. His nature is that he's good. Mm. He's love. He's, he's kind. And knowing who he is should motivate us to pray, but he's not going to give us what is not best for us. And that's where we just have to defer uh, to him and according to your will be done. And it could be like uh, Job. Yeah. (laughs) What was good for him seemed awful, but it helped him the most. So Mm -hmm. understanding what is good, we might ask and God might say, no, that's not good. And that's when we say he is sovereign, which means he's king. He knows all things and he knows what we need and what we don't need. So it is clear that God answers prayers based on what he sees as good Mm -hmm. and according to his will, not our feelings or limited knowledge. I think sometimes we pray and we we obviously, being human, can't see the big picture. We we can't see everything, how everything's lining up. Um, Therefore, you may seek what you honestly think is good, Mm. yet God who knows all things knows what is truly good and may deny your request because it's not for your ultimate good. And there are times, and, and people might stop and pause with the comment, but it's not for Jesus to give. Hmm. For instance, when uh, James and John come in Mark 10, and they only want to sit on the right and left hand in the kingdom, oh. and Jesus' response is, that's not mine to give to you, but it's been determined by my Father. So there are times we're not really sure always what God has already determined as part of his will. Oh. So if you pray, that's not going to happen because something is determined. But there are a lot of options and uh, conditions, and we need to just continue to pray because he knows uh, what is best. They would end up drinking his cup. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so, in a sense, they got what they asked for in yeah. one aspect. Exactly, and, good point. And they didn't understand. So, I want to illustrate why God might not answer prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was funny, I was looking up all these passages on prayer, and for a lot of the passages on prayer, Jesus uses humor, mm-hmm. as we're going to see. But let me give you this illustration. I think a lot of us can identify with it. Uh, Imagine a 13-year-old boy whose hormones have just changed, and he has his crush, his first crush, on a 20-year-old college girl who is attractive. I think everyone's been there one way or another. Um, The young boy knows that marriage is a good thing, and so he goes to God in prayer. He is asking, seeking, and knocking, asking God that this woman will fall in love with him. In his unmature and simple mind, he truly feels this is a good thing. Mm. And you could give him, you know, scripture to back it up. Marriage is good. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to have a good wife, so forth. Any wise parent 
would look at their 13-year-old son and understand the complexity of a healthy relationship and would say flat out, no. (laughs) It might seem good to him, but a parent who's been through, is in a marriage, understands. So would God be required to answer this boy's prayer because he is asking, seeking, and knocking? Mm -hmm. And of course not. Mm -hmm. God knows that even though the boy has good intentions, what he is asking for is not good or best for him at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, In the same way, when we ask, seek, and knock in our human frailty, our good father may not give us what we desire because he knows what is truly good. After all, the boy will one day grow up and mature. Mm-hmm. And he'll thank God that he did not answer his childish prayer, especially when his wife would almost be 10 years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But in all honesty, I yeah. think that illustrates how you might seem to have the right motives, right feelings, right everything. You go to God and God's like, that's not what's good for you. A, a job, a relationship, whatever it may be. It's so wonderful that our God is sovereign. Hmm. Uh, he sits in the heavens, as it says in Psalm 115.3. And, you know, the clarification, um, sovereign just means that he rules or reigns. It doesn't mean he micromanages everything, as is abused today by many. Uh, so we can take confidence because Psalm 119.68 says, you are good, you do good. Okay, God's good. We're going to see this in a little bit because we're going to transfer uh, down to this shortly. Uh, but just the nature of God is good, and every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. So we're thankful those times that God has not answered our prayers because what we thought at one time would be good, we find out later on would not have been good. And we see lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That doesn't come from the Father. Yeah. Some say. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he cannot tempt. He he does what is good. Yeah. So uh, Amen. So that's just think of that boy when you're praying. Mm-hmm. That if God doesn't answer, he might he might have something yeah. in store for you. Or he might know. Yeah. Um or, I mean, he does know. He knows exactly what he should do. Right. So, therefore, Jesus' words in verse 11 are based upon his conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I should say in verse 7. In verse 11, that your Father in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people take verse 7 and say, ask, seek, and knock. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, just, just keep doing those things. And God has to answer you. It's almost like you bind him. It's kind of like this whole stupid, and I've talked about, speak life movement. Right. You speak things and they manifest. It's like, you know, claim the promises in a sense that God has to fulfill certain things, like you bound him to answer with prosperity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's foolishness. Um, it's yes. all based upon his goodwill. That's right. So uh, with that in mind, let's go to verse eight. Mm-hmm. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. I think that's a beautiful picture that God does not discriminate against those in his kingdom. Anyone who asks will receive, anyone who seeks will find, and anyone who knocks the door will be open. So this verse is really an encouragement Mm. to keep on praying because God is good and he knows what is good for us. But he wants us to ask, seek, and knock. So it's not like, oh, you in the past you were such a bad person. Now, now we see in other books like James, we you know other teachings of Jesus that if we're in sin, he may not listen to our prayer. So there's other, this is a bigger theology, mm-hmm. but this is really talking about people who are in his kingdom, who are truly trying to seek him. You know, they're not holding things against other people. They're doing what they should. And uh, he wants you to ask, seek, and knock. I, I think it's pretty simple. 
Now, as I mentioned, Jesus gives two parables on prayer that are dedicated to the concept of not giving up, but keep on praying. He tells more, Mm -hmm. but these were the two that kind of fit right into this context. And in Luke 11, he tells the funny story of an annoying friend. Mm -hmm. And this is the friend, as we know, I taught this with the little kids and they're all laughing because it is funny. Because in the middle of the night, this friend comes because he had a visitor at his house and he keeps knocking on his friend's door saying, hey, open up and give me some bread. Mm -hmm. I need to give it to my guest. And the friend's like, I don't want to open the door. It's late. (laughs) But the man keeps on asking. He keeps on knocking. He just won't leave. So kind of picture yourself if someone's at your door at midnight and they just keep knocking and you know who they are and they're like, please go away, go away, go away. I want to sleep. If it's a friend... (laughs) You're eventually going to give in and just say, okay, take this bread and leave me alone. (laughs) So uh, the visual is simple in this story. We need to be like that friend who comes to God in the middle of the night Mm. and keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking till he gives us what is good. And uh, that's why I don't think we should overanalyze parables as people do. Jesus is like a friend who was annoyed. How dare you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see. There's so many discernment ministries that you see on YouTube that just pick apart everybody's statements. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine if Jesus said this today, they would say, is he really comparing Jesus to uh, our God the Father to this bad friend? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, it's just making a point. Keep going. Keep going. Jesus then reinforces his parable by telling them once again to ask, seek, and knock. So these same words follow this parable. Like any good teacher, Jesus usually told the same stories multiple times to reinforce the truths within the stories. And then we see in Luke 18, he's going to tell the parable of the persistent widow. I taught this, I did a whole parable series with the, with the children at church. And, you know, I had the woman kind of like peeking down the chimney, sticking her head in the window. And the story is this woman is seeking justice. So she goes to a crooked judge, a judge who could care less about the woman or justice, Mm -hmm. but she keeps on going to him constantly, constantly, constantly. And the judge, he just says, I need this woman to stop bothering me. So he goes and he settles the woman's case for her. So once again, Jesus is being funny in this parable. Mm -hmm. The woman represents us and the judge represents God. In a sense, we should keep on annoying him with our request. We just keep going to God. We keep going to him. So uh, I just think that's kind of uh, some interesting stories that Jesus uses to illustrate. And and he uses humor because he's human. And both parables uh, should be noted the the context because they're a little bit different, but the same concept underlies both. In Luke 11, there's a need. My friend uh, has come to my door. He has a guest. It's just some basic provision. Whereas in, in Luke 18, it's the judge that is unjust. He could care less about God. He could care less about the woman. Uh, but when you read through the parable, it's shall not, you know, God, uh, the just God avenge his elect who cry out day and night. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are being abused, yeah. whether through their judicial system or someone yeah. who is treating them horribly. And our God is a God of justice and vengeance. And it's in his timing so whatever the case might be, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, and, and God honors that uh, persistence. Besides, he loves when his children come to him knowing who he is and make those requests in the same way we delight when our children come to us 
and they have a simple request. We want them to be able to come, huh. and then when possible, and we know it's good for them, uh, we provide it, whatever it might huh. be. And uh, we see that God answers these requests, and he's not annoyed. <laughs> he's not annoyed, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think of my, my girls, and I, I really don't get to play video games much anymore because you kind of grow up, and you just don't have time <laughs> for it. I mean, yeah. But uh, with my generation, it's kind of a relaxing thing. It's mm-hmm. something that's nostalgic, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a day off, and I just said, look, I want to do something that doesn't really involve my brain. Because yeah. <laughs> you know how it is. You read a lot. You study a lot. Exactly. You're always around words. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's nice to do something that's just totally different. It's exactly. a whole different portion of your brain. So I sat down, was playing, and Vera walked in. She got up from her nap early and she's, Daddy, can you teach me how to play this game? Like, what am I going to say? No. <laughs> but uh, it's the thing, God is good. Mm-hmm. And when we come to him, um, he, it's just part of that relationship. You know? but we're going to come back to our passage because we looked at those two examples. And in this passage, now Jesus will use humor to demonstrate that even sinful people know how to give good gifts. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God, who is good, will give good blessings to those who ask. So it's kind of a comparison. Mm-hmm. So here's humor. Uh, who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Mm. Uh, parent, you could try this out on your child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or on your spouse, you know, they come and ask you for dinner and just put a rock in front of them. Here's your pet rock, you <laughs> <Yeah>. on it. <laughs> yeah, see how they feel about that, yeah. you know. Or if you ask for a fish, I kind of almost picture that live snake. That's you know, right. It's like, here's a venomous snake, go and eat that. Yeah. Um, obviously, once again, it's humor. A parent's not going to do such a horrible thing. I, I can't imagine my one of my daughters or sons came and said, uh, and I have a fish, and you just go and grab a little snake from the garden and say, here, eat this. Yeah. So Jesus is saying, hey, these people who are wicked know how to give good gifts. And that's exactly what he's going to say in verse um, 11. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God is good, generous, and kind, and he gives good things to those who take the time to ask. The argument from the lesser to the greater, right? From the human analogy of the father uh, going to give good things to his children. It's, it's kind of interesting, too, because the two items mentioned are almost imitation, sure. something that would look similar. And I thought that's what Satan does. You know, he's always given us the imitation or the worst. But God being good always gives what's best. So the argument here, since God is inherently good, he's always going to do uh, what is good and best for you. And that's, we take confidence in this. All things work together for what? For good. Well, because that's why we trust him. And even if circumstances come we don't get, we know he is good. And well, um, we just, we keep returning to him. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about creative sermons and I was looking with the stone and the, um, and the bread and thinking how you could tie that in with Satan asking Jesus to turn bread into, or the stone into bread. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see any parallels. So, <laughs> uh, how many sermons have I heard with parallels? I say, where did that come from? Yeah. But, uh, Someone had an illustration, had to force a sermon yes, upon it. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that. People are like, I have a great idea. Let's build a sermon around that's that. That's right. Like, mm, that's maybe not the best thing. Yeah. So, he says he gives what is good. Now, 
Jesus kind of then gives this abrupt therefore, and he's going to give the golden rule, which is based on his father's goodness. And I think it really ties in with the whole thought, God does what is good, so we should also do what is good. It's a reflection of the father, because it kind of seems thrown in there. You know, it kind of seems like this verse is just, why is this thrown in there? But God in his kindness answers the prayers of those who come to him. Mm. And we saw earlier how God provides for mankind um, and told those in his kingdom not to worry. So our heavenly father is good to others. Therefore, we should reflect him and also be good to others. Mm. And I think that's why Jesus inserts this here. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Uh, this one verse sums up God's heart in all of Scripture. Mm-hmm. If we practice this mm-hmm. once we're saved, because um, we not don't for want salvation, right? not you for salvation. Right. There's right. a difference. Yeah. Uh, once we are saved, we need to practice this principle. Absolutely. Um, and and I did some research, and I found around the year 20, I'm a rabbi Hillel. This is what he said. What is hateful to you, do not do to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. So Jesus took the rabbi's words, which were spoken in a negative aspect, and he made it positive. And I like that. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying, think about all the good things you wish people did for you. Then go and do those kind things for them. Um, And once we have been saved, we move on to sanctification, and our whole lives should center around Jesus' words from verse 12. It was interesting. I was talking to someone, and they said they saw my kids' video on Christmas. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a whole series. Please check it out. I'll I'll actually put this little short video at the end of this for you on YouTube. And it's on all the symbols, not all, but many of the symbols in Christmas. That's well done. And how we should see them. Mm-hmm. and then how they should put our focus on Christ. Mm-hmm. And this person um, said, I saw that video and it was very encouraging. It really made me think how I can honor Christ. Mm-hmm. Then they said they went to church and their pastor for the Christmas message just laid them out. <laughs> <laughs> it was all negative. You're probably yeah. doing this. You're probably doing this. You're probably doing this. And the person's point was sometimes just the encouraging words that are mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Um, And that's what Jesus does here. Instead of taking the negative aspect, Mm. uh, what is hateful to do to you, do not do to anyone else, he he makes it positive. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are times we need to be negative, especially in the pulpit. Um, But sometimes I feel like pastors kind of overdo it. Yeah, I I don't know. They take out their aggression. Mm -hmm. Um, I say this kindly, but some are wimpy. And Mm. the only time they can be tough is in the pulpit. And they use it as truly a bully pulpit, and they can take out their pet peeves by just yelling and fussing and screaming, Mm. Um, where I believe those types of tones or the negative aspect should be used, but used in a very proper context Mm. when it's not for the sake of being angry. My point being that Jesus is very positive here. And I've been reading through... uh, a book of the Bible each day with uh, about uh, the church. Mm-hmm. So a couple days ago, I did First Timothy, then I did Second Timothy, then I did Titus in just one sitting. And it's interesting how Paul keeps saying we need to be gentle. Mm-hmm. Yes, we need to rebuke, yeah. but rebuke as you know a father. You would your father mm-hmm. in kindness. 
And sometimes I wonder if the church, we become too hotheads. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like I said, there's a time, obviously, but there's church discipline. Um, when we address certain sins, we need to be very passionate. But I think there's other times we just need to use kindness mm-hmm. to persuade people. Sure. Um, just a thought, but Absolutely. something I wanted to share. So that basically wraps up what Jesus says. Anything before we move into the simple application? Yeah, and it, and this ties in with the application. Just want to encourage those that have prayed, they've asked, they've seeked, they've knocked. Don't quit. Uh, I you know read stories of like George Mueller who uh, prayed over five decades for five friends to be saved, and at his funeral, I think the last one got saved. Mm-hmm. For you and me, you know, on the verge of uh, Washington D.C. We've wanted to have ministry in the district, being in the side of Maryland, but uh, three decades. I can say this sincerely. I've prayed that we'd have some kind of ministry in the nation's capital. And a couple years ago, we ordained uh, Pastor Michael Thompson from Northeast D.C. with the Bethesda Baptist Church. He's right now sitting under us uh, with his internship. Very He's good, going man. To graduate. <laughs> Amen. He's going to graduate from... Uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, so they gave um, him permission to sit under me for the internship. And it's a beautiful thing, but to think, what if I would have just stopped praying, <laughs> you know, three decades later, and now we're in uh, Northeast, because we're we're called to make disciples of all nations. And I, I think we all get just too cozy with people like us. So the asking, the seeking, and knocking, but it's in conjunction with the Great Commission, this is what Christ commands us to do. So why not pray in alignment with that? And now we're seeing such beautiful things from his ministry and his life right there in the nation's capital. So I just want to encourage everybody, when you see the um, acronym ASK, ASK, SEEK, KNOCK, stay with it, uh, because until the Lord sh- shuts you down and says no, he might have something very special planned for you that he's going to make you wait for. And as we said, this is just one aspect on prayer we're looking at today. Um, much more theology in the Bible about prayer. Absolutely. So, but these words are very encouraging. So one employment point, which is keep on praying without ceasing while loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus told his followers to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking in prayer. Mm. Because of Jesus's words, you should be persistent in prayer knowing that our good God gives good gifts to those who diligently seek him. Based on God's goodness and answering prayers and blessing others, you should reflect his goodness by loving your neighbor as yourself. So a question you could ask yourself, when things are going well in my life, a lot of times, like I said, we always look at the negative, but I find when things are bad, that's when we pray the most. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you're in a bad situation, when you're on the verge of being fired, relationship, maybe safety, mm-hmm. uh, we, we pray, as they would say, like the Dickens. But mm-hmm. um, what about when you're doing well in life? Things are smooth. You know, it's Christmas season. Things are going well. Um, am I asking, seeking, and knocking in prayer? Why or why not? Mm-hmm. Hopefully the answer is yes, I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what does this tell me about my walk with the Lord? And then a final thought. Do I have a persistent prayer life? And if your answer is yes, keep it up. (laughs) Uh, People like you are very important for pastors and just ministry to continue. Keep on praying. Um, Your families too, those outside of ministry. If not, what keeps me from praying more? Is it a lack of time? 
Do I manage my time well? I think a lot of people, it comes down to time management. Right. They have other priorities. So you need to say, am I making time to pray? Mm-hmm. Second, is it a lack of passion? Maybe you just haven't seen a lot of prayers answered in the past. So you're like, eh. um, am I not engaged in spiritual fights because I'm overly entangled with the affairs of the world? So ask yourself, how is my prayer life? If it's doing well, keep it up. If not, start asking probing questions, find out what's the reason, mm-hmm. and then change it. So you have persistent prayer life. Anything you want to add before we give the ending? And I want to show your book what it looks like. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, no, um, I appreciate that you point out this is just one small passage. Mm. We have many others uh, dealing with prayer, but... This is an important mm. section, and, and I pray people would come back to this often, uh-huh. and uh, just to keep on praying. Jesus was um, in great demand, and yet he breaks away from the activity of ministry to what? To rise early mm. uh, before day, just to pray in Mark one thirty-five. I pray we set a time and a place, and then we be persistent in our prayers. Well, like for me, um, I, always, I like to pray in the morning. I always pray when I'm in bed, but in the morning, I think is my most focused time. And my, some of my young children wake up very early, <laughs> especially the one-year-old and the baby, uh, two different ones. Right. So my wife got me noise-canceling headphones for Christmas, which is wonderful, because I can stick them on my head and then tune out everything else, mm-hmm. and then I can just kind of be focused on prayer mm. and reading. So... Uh, let me go ahead. I have the books here. Yeah. I can show you uh, what they look like. Something funny real quick. When we do our podcast, we're shown from the waist up. <laughs> so these are my good. I got them from Walmart. I, actually, my mom might have got those for me from Walmart years ago. And they look like a pair of jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and they're perfect because they're comfy pants to wear that look That's like right. jeans. That's right. Side note. Okay. Does, doesn't matter with anything. Before I show these, uh, um, let me just say this. This was podcast 29, the Sermon on the Mount, persistent prayer, asking, seeking, knocking, and the golden rule from Matthew 7, 7 through 12. So uh, we got the early copy. Yeah. Uh, If you're watching this on YouTube or wherever, uh, if it's a podcast, if you're just listening, I'm sorry you can't see this, but the new book. Yeah. They did a great job. I'm so pleased with my new publisher, Morgan James. Great, great job. Um, the book is wonderful. Um, Thank you. I, I remember when they were sending you different designs, right. and we kind of. I was bouncing your way because you yeah. have that great eye for uh, design, and you even made some suggestions. Yeah, and so they, I looked and I said, I like the font. I yeah. like the font, but I, I like this. And they switched to a wonderful yeah. company to work with, I tell you. And uh, I like this at the back. It said, um, and I'm not trying to sell a book here, I'm just saying something that I really liked about it. You get a free ebook. Yeah. Um, just by filling this out on the back page. So right. uh, read time, I noticed that on the back. It yeah. says 263 minutes. So this is just going through the book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. verse by verse, Yeah, a detailed Bible study using the FIRE method, right. familiarity, interpretation, relationship, and employment. Right. <laughs> Make sure I get that right. Please. Um, <laughs> uh, Pastor Ken is also doing a what would you call it, a bi-weekly Bible study we post online? Yes. Where he goes through each chapter. Yeah. And every other week it's posted on our website. And uh, that has extra uh, information that's it's, not in here. Exactly. So what I recommend is you read the book, 
And then as you read the book, then you watched a corresponding lesson exactly. and it's just, yeah, you get a really good idea mm, of um, what's going on here. So mm-hmm. I do the editing, not of this book, but of the uh, videos and um, you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend that. I'm reading yeah. that too. Yeah. Um, I've already kind of read through it, but I'm reading it again. And then this is a book my father got for me that uh, I'm reading through right now, The Foundation of Augustinian Calvinism. Um, which is, it kind of blows your mind. It does. It does. <laughs> if you're wondering, it's like, why does Calvinism seem so wrong? Uh, this guy's brilliant. He is. Uh, Wilson. Uh, Our namesake, Ken. Yeah. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm reading and he's yeah. like, uh, this is the small version. If you read my original version and all the original languages, it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. So, um, great book. It really shows how uh, Calvin was just so influenced by Augustine. That's right. And how Augustine, in return, was so influenced by the secular thought of the day. That's right. Um, and we see determinism and other things that just sovereignty, yeah. redefinition of a lot of words, just kind of cast upon scripture and yeah. new concepts that they throw into it. So um, if you sometimes are listening to your Calvinist friends and you're like, they just sound wrong. Yeah. It's because they are. Um, That's right. Just kindness. Kindly saying it, but a great book. Um, I'm reading through that too. You gave me a stack of about four books this Christmas, so mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to get them going. But uh, just some good reading material for you. Anything you want to say before we? Uh, no, the um, Ephesians book was a delight mm-hmm. uh, to write. I feel very honored uh, with my new publisher. It's going to be in uh, Christian bookstores. Uh, but also, if you want to go to, I'll cite these real quick uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, dot com. You want to go to Amazon.com, Walmart.com, Target.com. Uh, you can uh, pre-order a copy, which I would greatly appreciate uh, at this uh, point. And that's the book, our foundational use to use for training. And what um, uh, Pastor Kenny shared is what I recommend for everybody, because we do training around the globe. You read the chapter in a book, and then you watch uh, the sermon, and then you're well abreast of no. that passage to go preach, teach, and live. Yeah, no. so I highly recommend it. Now, this is first one by Morgan James, but what number is this in the series? Uh, the this fire? is actually my 12th uh, fire book. Fire, and a yeah. couple are in Spanish, so that adds Yeah, we actually have three done now in <laughs> Spanish. The fourth one, my preaching book, Lord willing, comes out in the new year, so we're really trying to help out our Latin community as well right. and just have good, great trading material. But this, this came out first in Spanish, and now the English is out. Yeah, yeah And with their foundation, um, we send these at no cost to the people. Right. So, uh, and we don't make any money off the foundation either. None, none. <laughs> so, just to make it clear, this is a buy my book so I can get rich. Yeah. It's, it's truly ministry. The money's going out. Right. So uh, with all that said, I hope you had a Merry Christmas. Absolutely. If you're listening to this in the summer, it doesn't matter. And uh, <laughs> I hope you have a great rest of the week. See you next time.